Hey, Brian DiNovellis back with another Tri-State College Basketball Podcast. We are on Season 4, Episode 6. Thanks for listening on wherever you get your podcast, Apple and Spotify. Thanks for subscribing to us. And thanks for watching us on YouTube. Search Brian DiNovellis Podcast and check out each and every podcast. Of course, prior to this one, we had our back-to-school uh, features with Steve Peichel, uh, Grant Billmeyer with Shaheen Holloway, and of course, Tobin Anderson over at Iona. You can check out any of those other previous interviews on my YouTube channel. And this week, for the first time ever, we have a sponsor here on the Tri-State College Basketball Podcast. I want to thank NorthJerseyVipers.com. It's a softball program up in Bergen County that's in their 14th season. They're one of the premier programs in all of New Jersey, they have a proven recruiting track record for getting players to the next level and playing in NCAA Division One, Two, II, and Three. They currently have 21 alumni playing NCAA college softball. They're owned and operated by Bob Germano. Can't say enough good things about him and the program that he runs. So if you're looking for more information on how to get your daughter or your niece or a daughter, someone else's daughter that you know that wants to play at a high level for some high-level coaches, go to NorthJerseyVipers.com and check out their website. So we are less than one week away until the college basketball season tips off, and we're going to get you ready for the Big East basketball season with a couple of guys that I have a ton of respect for these guys. Tyler and Ryan Cassidy, they have started – this uh, Twitter account and podcast called Big East Barroom. It is growing each and every day. And I love what they have. I love their content. These guys are passionate. They're like me. They love Big East basketball. And look, they're right here. Tyler, Ryan, how you guys doing? Hey, Brian, can't say thank you enough. Um, I'm glad you have some respect for us because I don't always have it for us. But uh, we're, we're, we're living the dream. Um, just love talking about Big East basketball. Lucky enough to do it in the basketball capital of the world of Connecticut. So we're very lucky. Yeah, what an intro. You, you got me a little hyped up over here. Yeah. Um, no, Why thank not, you so much for having us. We appreciate it. Yeah, no, thanks, guys. And, and all right, you know, listen, I'm from the basketball capital of the world. So, so we share that same nutmeg uh, mentality of, of Connecticut. And, you know, I was just so sick and tired of – Oh, UConn, the basketball capital of the world. Well, you know what? You, you can't deny what that program has done in the last, uh, what is it, 24 years, guys? Five championships, right? I just about 24 years. 99, yeah, the first one. I mean, yeah, people get sick of it, but proof is in the pudding. Um, hey, and then I would argue that if you had a conference for basketball capital of the world, you can't go wrong with the Big East, right? Is it, is it even a competition anymore? I don't know the number offhand, but I will say this, right? The Big East first started in 7980. Mm. And and since that time, obviously in the 80s, you know, it began with 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 Georgetown winning a national championship and obviously uh Villanova, they had 85 with three teams in there in the final four. Um it seemed like every year there was a team going to the national, you know, final four. Providence was in there in 87, Seton Hall was in there in in 89, so um, since 7980, I, I think I, I, I had the math at some point. I'm not going to say they're 
first in national championships, but I think they're second. So let's face it, guys, you know, no matter what they have rebranded themselves, uh, the Big East year in and year out can stake a claim to being the best basketball conference every single year. And, and I would three, say that the, you got three national championships since the realignment when so many people thought that the Big East might have been dead as a college basketball conference. And Jay Wright and Dan Hurley combined to get three national championships of the last seven years, eight years. Um, so not only do we have a fantastic history, but the future looks great too. And while other coach or conferences are losing their, you know, coaches like, you know, not losing them, but to retirement, finally, Krzyzewski, Roy Williams, Jim Beheim, the Big East is bringing in Hall of Fame coaches like Rick Pitino. So, you know, the Big East is going to have the most recognizable coaching staff, I think, next year, where the ACC's had that crown for a long time. Um, but I think next year we're going to be talking about the Big East coaches being the upper echelon. Oh, my God. There's no doubt about it. And and let's give respect, even though, you know, Butler is is down right now. You know, Thad Mata is a, is a coach who who had so much success at Ohio State and obviously Sean Miller and, you know, Shaka Smart and on and on and on, guys. Right. Ed Cooley, uh, you know. My my guy Dan Hurley, uh, yeah. Shane Holloway's gone to an elite eight. I mean, what what other what other coaches in the country can can put these these national championships out there and 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 winning programs and uh, you know the success they've had in the NCAA tournament? I'm with you. That's that's why we love the Big East, right? Sure is. I mean, champions, coaches, players stay for more than one year. I mean, we were just talking about that too. I mean, how many conferences their best player you have to get to know them every year because they're going to the NBA, the Big East. The six players on the, you know, all conference team all played in the Big East last year and are, I believe, none of them are even sophomores. I believe they're all upperclassmen. What conference has that? Amen. Amen. So so let's talk about, you know, some of these players and, and uh, you know, the, the front court, the back court. Let's start with the front court, guys, because you you throw out, you know, guys like Klingon and Kalkbrenner. And I, I love Dixon. I love Dixon. He is a load at Villanova and Joel Soriano. I mean, you know, listen, you can have your Zach Edes and, and, and other players out there, but give me these guys. I'll, I'll take them any day of the week. So who's your favorite backcourt if you're going off of it? Cause I think it's a t complicated question because, or, you know, if that's what we're alluding to, because like Klingon, for example, at UConn, Carabin's not a true four in a lot of, in my opinion. So are you going to take two? Right, you think Caravan's a true four? Yeah, I think Caravan's a stretch four. Um, NBA stretch four. to call him a four. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to call him a, you know, listen, in the NBA, he's going to be a wing, right? He's going to be a small four. He's, there's no doubt about it. Uh, sure, in college, you can call him a stretch four, but I, I would call Baylor Shireman more of a, of a stretch four, um, you know, because of the way he rebounds. Uh, but if you're asking me who the best front court is right now, I'm I'm going with with uh, with Creighton. Um, I, I just I just love Kalkbrenner. I mean, you're talking about the two time Big East Defensive Player of the Year. Um, they, you know, it, it to me it it, it starts there. Um, you know, and then they have uh, you know Shireman in there, a six ten guy in Frederick King. I, I I'll take them. You know, one guy that um, people are raving about right now is this kid Mason Miller at Creighton. He's going into his sophomore season. He's a fantastic shooter. He's a, a four, probably. He's about 6'9". And a lot of people in Creighton are saying that he's one guy you should watch for a potential breakout player of the year in the Big East. 
Mike Miller's son. Uh, from uh, Oklahoma, right? Is he? Mike Miller, was, wasn't he from, from Oklahoma? Didn't he play there? Is that, is that, am I thinking of the right guy? Played on the Miami Heat championship teams, long hair, headband, um, shooter. I mean, uh, I think he went to Oklahoma. Right, look that up. While we do you. that, Tyler, who's your best front court? So I'm going to go out on a limb because I – part of the question was setting myself up for this. I'm going to a person who I think has the best four, and then I also like their five. I really like – I love Bryce Hopkins. I think he might be the player of the year, and I think he's going to play the four there. And Josh Adoro put up 15.6 points a game last year at George Mason. Yep. Um, this kid isn't being talked about enough as a transfer. Um, he is going to, he said at Biggie's Media Day, he shoots 200 threes a day. You know, they're, they won't have their um, front court in terms of like Klingon, Cockburner, Soriano, banging bodies as much down there. But man, they might be able to shoot really well, space the floor. And Bryce, for my money, I'm not sure there's a better player in this conference than Bryce Hopkins. Uh, I, I I would tend to agree. Uh, I I thought he was at some point last year. He was certainly in the discussion for Big East Player of the Year, and then Providence faded late. Uh, his numbers went down a little bit, but uh, you know, end of January, early February, he he was my odds-on favorite to win the Big East Player of the Year. And we can't. I I know we're talking about traditional bigs, but Oso Iguodaro at Marquette with um you know David Joplin. If Joplin's going to play the four, that Marquette you know, front court is also dynamic and it's just different. You have different um, styles. I'm interested to see which um, style adapts the best because, you know, we saw last year teams had success bringing Cockburn out of the paint. I believe Dixon scored 31 on him in one game. Um, so, you know, our team's going to be able to get those bigger body people out of the paint. And then will, what would their adjustment be back? Igodaro, uh, I mean, he he killed Seton Hall last year. I think he had 18 in one game, 16 in another. He scored 19 against UConn. He he is very versatile, and he he's a guy that, you know, outside of the Big East, people don't know enough about. But in the Big East, trust me, I mean, you're, you're game planning uh, for him. He he does he he does so many things very well. And hey, right, did you get uh, the, the, the Miller, or was I thinking of Mike Miner? I don't know who, who or, or was Mike. Go ahead. Mike Miller, uh, Florida. Alone. Florida. You know what? I was thinking of Mike Miner. My bad. So, but you alluded to this, Brian. I wanted to ask your opinion. You know, Seton Hall's front court has completely turned over. You don't have any of the same returning pieces you had last year, Tyree Samuel, Trey Jackson. Um, what do you think of who he's put together out of the transfer portal, and what's your kind of projection for that front court? I, I think Seton Hall is in uh, – it's a work in progress. And listen, Elijah Hutchins, Everett, um, is a is more of an offensive player, okay? And whereas from Austin P, whereas uh, Jaden Badiaco is is you know more of a polished defensive player um, from Santa Clara, and I think that if you judge by the the preseason game, and and what what do we really judge about preseason games uh, other than this? Badiaco did get the start in that game. I think they're both interchangeable. Whoever's playing well and depending on matchups. But if it's any indication, those guys really struggled. I mean, they had eight fouls in that game. I don't think they had a single point between them. Uh, they have a long way to go. And if they play like that in the Big East, where night in and night out, you are going up against, you know, major big men. Uh, I don't know where they're going to get the rebounds from. Other than saying this, Kadari Richmond 
may lead Seton Hall in rebounding this year. All right. It's going to be between him and Dre Davis. Mark my words. That's my early prediction. Uh, Kadari Richmond will lead or close to leading uh, Seton Hall in rebounding this year. He's going to have to put up Jason Kidd like numbers each and every night. And yeah, isn't that the worst thing that could happen to Seton Hall is if Kadari Richmond leads them? Like, it's a great thing. It's a fun stat. But wouldn't that be like the worst thing that could happen to Seton Hall? Uh, that that's a if that, if that's the worst thing, that's a pretty damn good thing, right? That, is, that means he's playing like a you know borderline first team all Big East player if he does that. So so Ra, you've been quiet over there about your front court. Uh, are you who who's your nod? You know, it's it's a really tough question. Um, I'm still thinking about. It. I'm going back and forth between St. John's and UConn. Um, I think Joel Soriano is one of the best centers in the league. But we don't really know who's going to play the four at this time. We don't know what the backup's going to be like. I think UConn's got more depth because, you know, you got Alex Caravan at the four. Whether or not you consider him a traditional four, he's still going to play the front court, and he's still more than capable. And then you have Samson Johnson coming off the bench for them, who is a freak athlete. Um, I got to see UConn's open practice earlier this summer. I mean, this kid plays above the rim. He he acts like he has springs in his shoes. He, he, he just freak athlete. Uh, we'll see if he was able to put together this some uh, this year. He struggled, uh, never being able to put his talent together. But we'll see if he has it this year. Okay, all right. So let, let's talk backcourt now. I mean, the consensus is is Marquette, and and why not? You have the returning Big East Player of the Year in Tyler Kolick. Uh, the preseason Big East player of the year in Tyler Kolick and Cam Jones, uh, Stevie Mitchell. I don't know if there are three, if there's any team that rolls out three better guards, although by the end of the year, UConn can be in that discussion if Stefan Castle is as good as our advertised. But do you agree with me that Marquette has the best backcourt or are you guys going Huskies in that one too? I think Marquette might have the best backcourt in the country. Um, I don't. I wow. mean, I think you're talking. That's the respect that Tyler Kolek gets. Stevie Mitchell could win Defensive Player of the Year in the Big East if Cockburn and Klingon didn't exist. Um, Cam Jones is, you know, could be an NBA player next year. I mean, I think that this Marquette team, the familiarity they have, you know, that's the thing. Continuity in college basketball is so important. Um, and Marquette's bringing back everybody pretty much except Omax that I think Marquette is looking at being the best backcourt in the country. Um, I certainly think UConn has a case to be there by the end of the year, but relying on a freshman, you know, it, that's always a dicey proposition, right? Right. Right. And let's so Chase Ross did a conversation when you talk to Marquette, talk a little depth on the backcourt. He was one of the all big East freshmen last year. And he looks like he could be an NBA player and he's coming off out of their backcourt as well. So I do agree with you. I don't think anybody is able quite able to measure up, but I love that Creighton Blue Jays backcourt of Stephen Ashworth, Trey Alexander. And then if you consider Bay Baylor Shireman, a guard. Um, I think Creighton fan, look, he's listed as a guard, but come on. I mean, he he's play, he's defending the four. He rebounds. Um, you know, NBA type of talent. Sure. He'll be a guard, uh, but we can go back and forth. I, I I don't know. I look, I look at him as a forward. You, you could put him as a guard, right? I guess you can make that argument if you want, right? Yeah. He looks like a true wing almost. Um, But just Trey Alexander and Stephen Nashworth are as good of a one, two, as you're going to see in the backcourt from anyone. I think Trey Alexander is an NBA player and I don't think we'll get to watch him again next year. So we should enjoy it this year. 
And I mean, mean, we're we're, God, Tyler. I I mean, a team, I don't want to just pander to, you know, I know your audience, but I've really fallen in love with the Seton Hall backcourt. Talk about experience. Kadari Richmond, Alamir Dawson, um, uh, Dylan Adeawusu in the backcourt. All three of them have enjoyed success in the Big East at some point where I don't know if you have three backcourt players that have enjoyed success in the Big East. And most of these, you know, on most of these teams other than Marquette. Yeah, yeah, I know that maybe their ceilings aren't as high as UConn, Creighton, Marquette, but I think their floors are pretty high. If that makes sense, their floors are kind of really high too. I don't think you're going to see it where their backcourt is overwhelmed at Big East games. And I think Kadari Richmond, my hot take is that Kadari Richmond could will definitely be in contention for Big East first team coming into the year. It, it, it's it's going to be it's one of those years in the Big East, guys. Where where if you go back in the history of the Big East and some of the second teams in the big East are, are, are all American types. That's, I think that's really what we're talking about this year. That if you were to have a game between the first team and the second team in the big East, uh, that's going to be a pretty damn good game. I don't care how you slice it. That's how deep this well. conference is. And if you're second team in this conference, you might be first team in a lot of other conferences. You could very well see an NBA draft pick off the second team in the big East this year. You know, I mean, if Donovan Klingon ends up on the second team the way he was projected, I mean, he's a he's a first round draft pick. How- he's a lottery pick, maybe. Right, right. That's pretty crazy, right? And 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 the best one of them all might be, you know, Stefan Castle, and we don't even know where he's going to end up at the end of the year. So you're 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 a hundred percent right. I mean, that's how deep this conference is. And look, you know, Villanova's backcourt. I, I think let's go back to what you said, Tyler, because you're right in terms of seasoned veterans. The only ones. The only backcourt, okay, that can match them in terms of experience that I can see is is Marquette, right? Because they're all returning, and we just mentioned them. So we're going to give them the nod, but if we're talking about this, you know, you can make a case that Seton Hall has the second-best backcourt in the Big East, and people outside of Seton Hall may laugh, but you're right. And to, if, if Kaderi Richmond plays... Uh, like he's capable of playing night in and night out. And that's a big if, guys, okay? But if he does, then then you can put them in that discussion. I'm with you, right? Or Tyler. And I mean, and we're even leaving off some of the, I don't want to just mention every team for the hell of it, but Posh Alexander has been a Big East Defensive Player of the Year. He's going to be the point guard at Butler. Jaden Epps, whatever you want to take into scrimmages, 46 points is hard to score. And it sounds like he scored 46 points in a scrimmage. I mean, you're talking about really high-level talent where I think you're right. You could have people in the honorable mentions this year that in a normal year would have been Big East first team. Right, right. And and Villanova, you know, they're going to they're gonna say, hey, what about us guys? You know, but again, you're talking about bringing in a guy like TJ Bamba from 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 Washington State and, and Tyler Burton and obviously Mark Armstrong. Will he make that leap like everybody thinks he does? Um, a lot of potential, potentially great backcourts, but – unproven in a lot of ways so it's going to be fascinating I mean in a lot of years we're watching the guards you know compete against each other and and uh really light it up but I don't know my I mean my head's going to be on a swivel looking at the front court and the back court this year uh with all the great matchups potentially on paper Brian outside of Kolek because let's give him the number one spot who do you got as a second best point guard going into the season for the Big East put you on the spot there with that question we didn't prep that one no you you, you do I mean listen we just mentioned him 
Kadari Richmond. Um, but I'm going to throw, I mean, Tristan Newton, you know, I'm sure Dan Hurley would pick him in a heartbeat. Uh, the wild card would, would have to be Steven Ashworth, but he's coming from Utah state. So, you know, in the beginning of the year, I would probably just in terms of a point guard go, you know, Kolick one, um, I would probably go Newton two and and Richmond three only because Richmond hasn't done it night in and night out. But at the end of the year, it wouldn't surprise me if someone like Ashworth is there or, or, or Richmond takes over. Um, and Posh is obviously going to say, don't forget about me. So mm-hmm. number two, I'm going to the answer to answer your question, Tyler, right now, Tristan Newton, what are you guys taking? I, I'm a, I guess I'm the biggest Kadari Richmond fan and I didn't okay. know it because man, okay. I'm his defensive ability. I mean, he's he averaged 10, five and five and I picking him for most improved player and people are like, well, how much more do you improve? And it's like, somehow he's underwhelming while putting up 10, five and five. So, I mean, yeah, if he just puts it a little bit more together, we could be talking about him, you know, right in that conversation. I, uh, I'll take Richmond. Okay. Uh, I'm going to put him modestly. Uh, I don't know how well they're going to score off his assists, Mm -hmm. but if he averages, I'm not going to say 16, I'm going to say 15 and a half. All right. To 16 points a game, uh, six assists and six rebounds. All right. Six and a half rebounds that that's, that's improving. So those are the numbers that you can expect from Richmond, right? What do you, who are you putting at number two behind Colick? Um, are we considering Justin Moore a true point guard? Because he'll play the point guard position for Villanova, at least in stretches. Um, now, if you want to argue he's not a true point guard, I can see the argument. But he he does play an awful lot like Colin Gillespie at times. And I think if, if you are considering him a point guard, he's an easy second for me. Uh, it's, you know, he's definitely a combo guard who can bring it up. Who's going to bring it up? Is it, is it going to be him? Is it going to be Armstrong? Most of the time. Yeah, it's a very good point. Uh, and and let's face it, you know, he's a guy that that uh, Ben, you know, we thought he was out of here uh, before he got injured. And then he comes back, plays half a year. And now he can play an extra year because of covid. I mean, you know, he's one of those that has benefited with this uh, extra year of eligibility. And he scares me. He scares me a lot. He, he is just he is so good. Full year, full strength. Um, he could be Biggie's player of the year, too, guys. I get to see him um, on his return game in Philadelphia at the Wells Fargo Center against Providence. And the one thing I noticed that really took me by surprise is how big he is. Like, I feel like on TV, you don't realize how long he is for a guard. He has really long arms. He's really stocky and well-built. And that was kind of surprising. I mean, he's he's like a man amongst boys. Yeah. How how are you going to guard him when, okay, you know, he outweighs you, you know, by 25 pounds. And, and, you know, you know, that Villanova, you know, they back you down, they back you down, they back you down. And, and before you know it, you're like underneath the hoop and you're like, how did I get here? (laughs) You know? And they just do it so well. And he does it as well as any of the guards that we've seen them from. Um, So I'm looking forward to a full year of him. And I think he wants to go to the NBA next year as well. So I think we should enjoy it this year because I don't think we'll see him again. Does he have a no fifth doubt. year here? No. Is he eligible, or uh, does he have one more year if he wanted it? Did, did he redshirt a year with his uh, 
No, he didn't redshirt. No, right? he he got injured like in February or something. Um, yeah, you're right. He didn't redshirt last year. And they didn't so redshirt last year. This this is this is it. I think. I, I never know nowadays. These kids. <laughs> I'm pretty sure this is it. So so guys, you had me on your podcast, Big East Barroom. By the way, um, we're with you know Tyler Cassidy and Ryan Cassidy. Uh, they do Big East Barroom on Twitter. Give them a follow. Uh, great, great content. You guys had me on your podcast and, uh, you asked me about, you know, the talent level in the big East. Is it as good as it's been? There's no doubt in my mind since the big East was reconfigured in 2013, you know, last year sets the bar very high in terms of the teams, the talent. I'm going to say last year with, with what they did, right. Correct me if I'm wrong, right. UConn national champs. Uh, was it, was it Creighton in the elite eight Xavier sweet 16 and who am I missing? Who wasn't there another sweet 16 Marquette, Marquette lost in the 32 and uh, Providence lost in the first game. So, so I'm putting last year at the bar. I, I think this year they're raising the bar and this is the best. The new reconfigured big East is agree or disagree. I mean, I think you have to agree. And I mean, last year, the bar is, you can even talk about Creighton's uh, Ryan Nemhard hand on a hip away from a Final Four, and you know we're talking, <laughs> and we're also saying maybe Xavier is a Zach Fremantle away from an Elite Eight. I mean that was how close those teams are. Um, you know when you win a national championship, I think that sets the bar. But it's no longer Villanova carrying this conference in terms of national success. Um, but you know I think they're we're going to judge the success based on the tournament. Um, you know because. Marquette last year won a regular season championship and a championship in the Big East tournament, and they underwhelmed in the tournament. So some of the, you know, stigma is that they couldn't win the big one when they got there. But they're probably sitting there going, "We won the big one. We we did it." But um, I think the success is based on the tournament. But talent wise, I don't think we've ever seen anything like this, right? Um, I agree with everything you said. Um, I think that the fickle thing about college basketball success is that you play a whole season it comes down to a single elimination tournament it's the only sport that we follow that you know comes down to single elimination tournaments nfl yeah that's a fair point (laughs) all right but like other basketball leagues nobody else plays right in terms of basketball exactly college football is the same way too obviously football is just a different beast but right but i'd like to know like what types of tournament success would they need to have this year for you to consider it to be a better year than last year? Because obviously you can't count on them to, to win another champ national championship. But now if they sent two teams to the final four, is that a better season? Yes. That's what I was just going to say. If it, even if they don't win a national championship, you send two teams to the final four. Uh, I, I, th- I think that's pretty good. I, 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 I think that might trump it, but you know, then again, to me, getting teams into the second round, the second weekend, you know, uh, you get three teams into the second weekend. That's that's kind of where the, the bar is from a conference. You get four teams from a conference like the Big East with 11 teams. Um, I guess we'll have to wait and see. But in terms of talent, uh, potential, you have four teams ranked in the top 25 in the preseason, one team just out of it. Uh, only one other conference can 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 match that in terms of you know preseason hype. It, it's right there. It's right there. But it, it's it's certainly a good discussion. You know the coaches Patino being in there this year. My God! But uh, apparently, guys, 
Um, word of St. John's going to the NCAA tournament and, and going to a Final Four this year, I think have been a little premature when you cannot beat Division II pace in a scrimmage. And before we even get going, guys, I know they were without uh, two of their best players. All right. I'll give them that without Dingle and without Soriano. And they were without RJ Luis. But if you can't beat the sixth best team in a Division II conference on your home court, when you're paying them $5,000 to come and play you, I'm going to raise the flag and just say, let's hold off a little bit. Your thoughts on St. John's losing to pace 63-59 in an exhibition. Um, I am on record, and Ryan and I are complete opposites here, so this will be good because I believe Rick Patino is washed. I am, like, so out on Rick Patino. Um, so this would kind of was a little confirmation bias for me because, hey, I told you guys, like, Rick Patino, you know, this is hard. Um I'll give it like the faintest yellow flag in the world. Um, I think Rick Patino sitting there right now going, I kind of like that we lost. I like playing with a chip on my shoulder. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'd, I'd have to see what the game looked like. Ryan and I talked about this a little bit. Like if, if they were working on sets and everything, you know, that's a, <laughs> and the, you know, why were they even keeping score at a certain point? Shout out to Pace University in our NE10 for where we went to school, University of New Haven. So yes, theme Pace play. Um, I don't know. I'll give it a yellow flag, but yeah, you, if you have a bunch of division one players in the room, they should be beating a division two team handily. Even if Joel Soran and Jordan Dingle don't play Ryan. Now tell me why I'm wrong repeatedly. Yeah. Green flag. No concern here. Are you kidding me? Come on. They're missing their two best players. And Rick Pitino is probably playing people out of position just to see how other, you know, you can substitute in. Um, he doesn't have any of his big men. And it's all about a learning experience for Patino. I think he's probably happy that they lost the game because he's able to see how certain situations his team will react to and who, you know, has good energy in those moments and who maybe doesn't, who he needs to coach up in those moments. So, no, I'm not concerned at all. Um, I think Rick Patino will be just fine as a coach. But – Brian, what does that say about Rutgers then? Because they lost to St. John's. So where's Rutgers now and all that? Uh, you listen, they 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 came they came. Here's the thing. All right. Uh St. John's was lucky to get that game into the second overtime, right? Because it was a former UConn player, uh, Aline, I believe it was. Yep. That hit a three after they got two offensive rebounds. And he throws it up with less than a second left. Otherwise, Rutgers is winning that game. Um, if I'm not mistaken, Cliff O'Mori dominated Joel Soriano, all right, in the big man matchup. And again, it's an exhibition. Take what you will. Uh, but Rutgers also came back and and allegedly uh, beat DePaul in, a, in an exhibition by like 25 or 29 points. So take it all what you will. I'm going to say this. I would not have liked to have been those St. John's players at Monday's practice, okay, first and foremost. <laughs> Secondly, uh, none of it matters because it's like, you know what it's like? Uh, what was the streak of the NFL team? Wasn't it the Baltimore Ravens that it, that had won, like, I don't know, someone godly, like 20 straight or 25 straight preseason 
NFL yeah. games. They lost this year, right? Yeah, they just lost this year, right? It was some ungodly streak where they were undefeated like five years. It was over like 25 wins. Mm. It doesn't matter because it's not going to count against their strength of schedule. It's not going to count as an L. They're zero and zero right now. So in the big picture, it doesn't count. But my point is, let's hold off on all the talk, all right? Because clearly there are some warning signs here. Uh, let's see these guys be healthy. Let's see how all of this, all of these players mesh uh, and 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 see where they're at. You know, they, they have a game against Michigan coming up in the Gavitt games pretty early on in the season. Uh, they're going to play a pesky Fordham team. And, you know, we'll, we'll see if they can, you know, weather the storm and get better from it and get healthy. So that that's what I say. But I, think- I, I just I just laugh because, uh, you know, it, it's certainly good talk, guys. I think it's a fair point. And what you're alluding to playing these tough out of conference games early in the season, you know, it's something Patino's never had to do is put together a team of transfers. Because the last time he was coaching at this level, there were no, you know, there was no transfer portal at this level. So he we'll does see. have experience with one and dones though, right? Let, 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 let's face it. Uh, you know, he, he, he does have some experience there, but you know, when he was last coaching at Louisville, uh, you know, he had, he had some, some pretty good senior players there too. So um, if anybody can do this, I'm, I'm a big Patino fan. All right. I went to his basketball camp when he was at Providence, uh, loved it. It was the year actually that they went to the final four and they had, they had, uh, uh, what was it? Uh, Delray Brooks, Billy Donovan in the backcourt, Stephen Wright in the front court. Uh, it was the summer leading into 86, 87. And I, I've always been a Rick Pitino fan. You know, I'm putting him on the Mount Rushmore of, you know, college coaches, uh, you know, and just, just coaches in general doing it in the NBA and, and in, in college. So I'm a big fan. Uh, but again, uh, you don't lose the pace. I don't care what and who's missing. Uh, it can't happen. But the good news is, is that in their minds, it didn't come. I think that's probably exactly the message he's giving. You can't lose the pace. And it's a good thing. It doesn't count. Yeah. You know, and and listen, ESPN was there, right? Uh, Seth Greenberg. I mean, they're everybody's darling, right? They're on national TV a lot this year. So, the spotlight is on St. John's. The pressure is on St. John's, unlike in any other year. Let's face it. Uh, they haven't won an NCAA tournament game since, guys, what is it? It's it's thousand, I think. Thousand, right? Is that what it is? Thousand, I believe. Yeah. It's right? something- Last time they were they were ranked in the preseason uh, top twenty five was ninety nine, and they they were they're on the outside looking in this year. So, you know, it, it's been two decades since since St. John's has really been relevant, and. Outside of, you know, Joel Soriano, none of them knows what it's like to play in St. John's at Madison Square Garden. So uh, we're going to see how they handle all of this hype and handle all of the press and all the attention. Um, Cameras being there every game, uh, locals coming out, uh, you know, the garden having more fans, uh, more attention. We'll see. Brian, when's the last time they had a coach like Rick, Rick Pitino at St. John's? Um, you know, Steve Lavin did a really good job, and 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 he he certainly, uh, you know, was a guy who loved the attention. Listen, they haven't had a coach like Rick Pitino to answer your question since Louis Carnesecca. Let's call it like it is, okay? That's the last time they had a coach like Louis Carnesecca. I think Mark Jarvis did a good job, got him to an Elite Eight, I believe. You know, Steve Lavin, again, 
good, successful winning coaches, but it hasn't been since Louie where, you know, you're talking hall of fame coach, winning coach, final four coach, and a coach who, uh, you know, has it. And, and, can do it all. and Ryan, I know you're a big Rick Pitino fan. I'm expecting the same success from Rick Pitino as the last hall of famer who coached there. And that's Chris Mullen. So I don't know why you're mad about that. <laughs> There's a, a difference between being in the Hall of Fame for being a coach and for being a player, right? I guess we'll find out this year. Ah, a little brotherly love there, right? Philadelphia has the brotherly shove and and a little brotherly love here. I, I like that point counterpoint, guys. So so let's do this. Let, let's let's as we begin to, you know, look for this season here. And, you know, we talked about St. John's and we talked about Seton Hall and a little bit about UConn. What are your expectations for each team? All right, let's start at the top with UConn. Dan Hurley would love nothing more than to win a Big East championship. All right. We know Jim Calhoun and his history and what he, what Big East championships meant to him. Dan Hurley feels the same way. He's got the, he's got the big one and the national championship. I mean, obviously that counts for more, but uh, can they win the Big East championship this year? Better yet, will they win the Big East championship? How's that? Uh, I Ryan and I talked about this on ours just a minute ago, and yes, I think UConn is going to win the Big East championship because I think Dan Hurley is going to gun for it like you wouldn't believe. I think last year when they came to the realization that they were a top five team, but you know they were easily coasting into the tournament, whatever that they kind of you know were making sure they're all ready for the tournament, and they mission successful, they won the national title. I think this year the motivation is you're going to see that regular season trophy at all their practices. You're going to see that Big East tournament trophy at their practices, big pictures of it. They're going to want it. They covet it, um, especially for the returners. I think that's going to be the you know piece they want on their mantle. So I think UConn in the regular season is going to be incredible, um, especially for that reason, especially because they're gunning for it. I think anything less than a top three finish this year in the Big East would be considered a disappointment. Oh, no, no question. No question. Now, are we talking Big East regular season or Big East tournament? Let's talk both. You know, it, it's so tough to predict the tournament, but let, let's 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 go regular season. For the regular season, I don't think they will win. I don't think they're betting favorites, at least. I, obviously, they have an opportunity to win, but I think my expectation would be for them to finish top three in the Big East regular season. And then if we were to say tournament, my expectation for them to be there on Friday night. In one of the last four teams in the Big East tournament, he lost a lot of talent. All right. Andre Jackson, Jordan Hawkins, Adama Sanogo were three of the most talented players in the entire country last year. Forget about the Big East. Um, three three think, NBA picks. You can't, you can't, uh, three NBA players. You can't, you can't argue with that. Right. So do I think he can win the Big East? Absolutely. But I think it's a tall task. And you have other coaches who have more talent returning. I, I'm going to go with Creighton. I'm going to say Creighton wins wins the Big East and and uh you know they're I know listen you can't go wrong with Marquette uh Yukon or Creighton uh some it wouldn't surprise me if Villanova's there as well uh I think those four teams kind of have separated themselves from the pack and deservedly so but if I had to pick one right now I'm going with Creighton uh expectation for St. John's where do they finish in the big East and will they be an NCAA tournament team? I think, this yeah, I, think that's what it, I think it's a simple pass fail for Rick Pitino in his first year. It's an NCAA tournament bid. 
however he earns it, whether he has to win out in the Big East tournament to get to the NCAA tournament, it doesn't matter. He needs to be there on Selection Sunday. He needs to hear his name called, and as long as he does, it's a pass for the season. Tyler, wild guess? You're going to say he's not going to the NCAA tournament? I don't think Rick Pitino is going to the NCAA tournament, and I think you know this year Ryan's right, pass-fail. This is an indictment on you know, an indictment or a favor for the way that he constructed a team. Listen, without getting into all the specifics, we know that a few players were asked not to come back to St. John's this year. Um, He wanted to build a transfer team. It's not like a um, Butler or Georgetown where the whole team just left and you kind of looked in around like there were players who were willing to come back um, and he kind of told them no. So if he fails with that system of all transfers, I mean, listen, People are going to say it's year one. I got bad news for you. Rick Pitino doesn't have 20 years he's dedicating to St. John's. Yeah. So if if he fails in year one, that could be 20% of his career at St. John's right there that he failed it. I don't, I don't, you know, he doesn't have the leeway that other coaches give where Hurley said, give me six or seven years. I don't think Rick Pitino will be coaching in seven years. Um, so I think he has to get going and he has to get going right away. My guess is that they finish just short. Um, but Hey, listen, Joel Sorano, Jordan Dingle, any day of the week, put them up against anybody. And I think they could be right there, but, uh, I think they are a bubble team that could finish on the wrong side. Okay. Uh, I say they're in, uh, I, I just think that somehow, some way they're going to all mesh. Uh, Patino is what Mike Anderson isn't okay. Mike Anderson was an awful coach. Couldn't motivate his players. Uh, didn't know the X's and O's and, you know, wanted to helter-skelter playground you. I mean, he has a style uh, offensively and defensively, Patino. He has a system. Uh, he's a winning coach and he's a motivator. He is the complete package. So I believe somehow, some way, he puts St. John's over the top and in to the NCAA tournament. Seton Hall, guys, uh, let me go first. I think Seton Hall right now, uh, as things look, I think they are a team that will overachieve this year. Uh, I think they're more talented than last year. They're deeper than last year. The problem is, so is the Big East, more talented and deeper. So you're dealing with a, a more difficult Big East. All right, last year, Seton Hall beat everybody below them. And they beat UConn. All right. Since UConn has come back to the Big East, Seton Hall is three and three against UConn. I don't know. I don't think. And I'm going to say they won't allow that streak to happen again this year. I think UConn sweeps them. Seton Hall's problem last year was that they were 0-2 against Villanova. They were 0-2 against Creighton. They were 0-2 against Marquette. They were 0-2 against too many teams and couldn't find another signature win. I think they will pull off uh, a couple of upsets this year because Shaheen will keep them in the game with defense and they'll, it'll be a one or two possession game and they'll try to grind one out. Uh, when it's all said and done, uh, at the end of the regular season, I put them at about 18 wins and 10 and 10 in conference. Squarely on the bubble, but on the outside looking in with some work to do to get them into the NCAA tournament. Betting man, gun to my head. NIT team. But I think at the end, they'll be in that conversation of NCAA tournament bubble teams. Thoughts? 
seeing Holt, yeah, I put him bubble looking in. I just don't see, I think 10 wins is a lot. You got to, that would mean sweeping Georgetown, sweeping Butler and sweeping DePaul for six of your wins. And then you got to split with Xavier. You got to split with, you know, yep. you got to. Who, who um, doesn't have Hunter or Fremantle. No, you got to split with Providence. Um, sure. They got, did last you, year. And then you got to find two wins of the top four teams. Are there two wins there? And then that means you can't slip up against a Georgetown or a Butler. And, you you know, you can't go one and one against them. Um, so 10 is going to be tough. If they get to 10 and 10, though, I will say, Bri, I'm putting them in the tournament. I think any team that wins 10 games in the Big East this year should be in the tournament. I mean, listen, it's probably more likely eight or nine wins, but 10 to me is their ceiling. Right? Um, your your listeners not going to like me for this one. I know you get That's a okay. crowd. I just don't see it personally. Um, and you referenced that you think they're a more talented team than last year. I don't see that without Trey Jackson, without Tyree Samuel, without. Oh, Tyler. don't don't say Trey Jackson. Don't say Trey Jackson. <laughs> Trey Jackson has plenty of talent. Whether he can put it together or not is a, a different question. Um, Correct. Correct. I, I I I was a fan. He just. He's a guy who could score 20 points and the next night zero. That's right. the problem with Trey Jackson. So I'm sorry for interrupting, but go oh, on. Absolutely. It's a great point. I question, I love Shaheen Holloway. I think he's the real deal. And I think long-term Seton Hall is in great shape. But I question if there's enough talent on this team for Shaheen to work his magic. Now, he's the reason he's in Seton Hall is because he took a St. Peter's team without a lot of talent to the Elite Eight. So God knows he can do it. But I question question if he has enough high level d1 basketball players p6 caliber players to pull it off in what will probably be the best college basketball conference in the country so i'm gonna say i'm guessing it's closer to six to seven wins and firmly outside the bubble okay all right listen this this is what opinions are all about and 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 i love it i love it because uh you're seeing it from different sides of the fence here and even the two brothers uh, are are not necessarily in agreement, which is which is great too. So uh, let's conclude with this, guys. Games of the year that you most want to see. Give me two or three games that you're really looking forward to this year in the Big East. I think you lead with the the main one, Georgetown Providence at Providence. I mean, can you can you imagine? I mean, like Providence fans are. I mean this with a lot of respect towards Providence fans. They're crazy. Yeah. Um, and they were crazy when they had Ed Cooley. And now they're seeing their Benedict Arnold walk in. Um, and man, oh man, just to be into that game. I mean, tickets are five hundred dollars right now. You can you know, you can go to playoff anything game for less than you can go to that game. That's gonna be that, electric. That, that's gonna be one of the hottest tickets ever. Yes. In Providence. And I wasn't there when Ernie DiGregorio was there. So I don't know what those years were like. But yeah, it's going to be one of the hottest tickets ever. And and UConn um, this year plays Marquette at Gamble, which I know might to some people not make a huge difference because it's your home court. The Gamble versus XL Center is a massive debate in Connecticut. And Gamble is a much more intimate college basketball environment. The Xavier game last year that UConn lost, um, I believe we had Colby on, right? Colby Jones said it was the loudest environment he had been to last year. Um, and you're bringing Marquette in, who's got their swagger, got their championship, but UConn's got a championship. But Marquette thinks they're every bit as good as UConn because they beat them two out of three times. And you have Tyler Kolick, who... Listen, I love Tyler Kolick, but he is playing a little Christian Leitner role in the Big East this year. Um, of he he wants people to kind of come for him. 
Um, give me UConn and Marquette at Gamble and then Providence. I mean, golly, I I don't know if you want to be in the state of Rhode Island that day. <laughs> Rye, what, what games are you looking forward to? Two or three? Yeah, two great picks there. How about any game at Madison Square Garden with Rick Pitino coaching St. John's Red Storm? I think that's going to be electric. I think that New York City is going to really turn out, and I think you're going to see the celebrity there's celebrities there as well um, in support of Rick Pitino. He's talked about how he wants to play almost every game at MSG. Uh, so that's going to be a ton of fun. Um, the pink out game at Creighton is always fun. I don't know if they've declared who they're going to be playing, but that will always be a good one. Anytime Creighton, Marquette, and UConn play each other, that's going to be must watch. Yeah. Basketball. I think you guys hit upon it. I think you guys hit upon it. And, and uh, number one, I mean, Fox has already put it on there, you know, national game of the week, uh, Georgetown at Providence Saturday, uh, January 27th. You know, Ed Cooley can talk all he wants. You know, there'll be some people cheering him there, you know, because he's a hometown boy. But, boy, he's going to hear booze in the state of Rhode Island and in the city of Providence like he's never heard before. Uh, he's never had that happen to him. So that's one. And because UConn are the national champions, uh, either UConn-Creighton game. I mean, out there they get, they get what? Uh, I, I forget, like 17,000 for home games, right? Every game sold out. Um, UConn Marquette as well. And, and that UConn St. John's game, I was at the garden last year, uh, wasn't filled, but obviously, you know, you're getting 50% UConn fans, if not more at the garden in that game last year that, that UConn pulled out against St. John's this year, there will be more St. John's fans and there will be more UConn fans. So I'm not saying that game will be sold out at the garden, but man, Hurley, Patino, uh, two national championship winning coaches going at each other with that talent in that atmosphere. I would go so far as to say that's the second most, uh, that's the second game that I'm most looking forward to this year at the garden. And uh, it's, it's going to be great. It's going to be great uh, guys. Uh, anything you want to say about your podcast and how it's going with the big East bar room, what's on tap this season and you know, how, how it's been going for you. Yeah, we're having a blast over at the Big East Bar, and we so much appreciate you having us on, Brian. Um, we're looking forward to a great season, hopefully get some great guests on. We're going to go over every week everything that's happened in the Big East basketball uh, and preview the upcoming weeks. So absolutely tune in if you want to stay up to date with Big East basketball, submit your questions online. We, we always love to take mailbag and, uh, you know, just stay tuned. Yeah, We're just two brothers recording a conversation. We talk about this anyway, and we were at a bar room, and we said, well, might as well just record it. So jump on. You know, we were lucky enough last year to get some really cool people on, and I'm sure we're going to be lucky enough again this year. And Big East is better, so we're incredibly lucky to do it. But, Brian, we can't say thank you enough. And let's be clear, Brian, you've given a lot of nice words. There's only one person here who's interviewed a national champion head coach. And um, <laughs> that is not the, – the last name for that person is not Cassidy. So you, you're doing a hell of a job over here too. Well, thanks, guys. Uh, the feeling's mutual. You know that now that we're done uh, kissing each other's asses and sucking up to each other. Uh, I look forward to seeing you guys in person. And Tyler, I know you're going to be at that uh, Rutgers game against against Georgetown, right? Yeah. Uh, getting to go see the rack for the first time. One of my best friends is a diehard Rutgers fan. So I get to see the rack, get to see a Big East game, and um, let's see what it's all about. So when you're there, I, we're, we're going to see each other at that game. When you're there, 
I, I want you to compare the loudness in that building to Gample. All right. Gample, right. I, I like the atmosphere in the building. I like I like the way that it's a dome. All right. I've, I've been going to Gample since it first opened. Uh, but in terms of loud atmospheres, uh, I want to get your take on it after that game and what you think about it, because uh, they're going to bring it that night. So uh, you're picking absolutely. a good one. Absolutely. Let's talk a little Jersey basketball. That'll be the next one. Awesome. All right, Tyler, Ryan, uh, great having you guys on. Great talking Big East hoops. Uh, it's what we do, right? It's what we love to talk about. And I'm so passionate and looking forward to this season. I can't wait. Tip-off's right around the corner, November 6th. And uh, I'll be following you guys on Twitter. We'll go back and forth and and can't wait. Thanks for coming on. Thanks, Brian. You're the best, Brian. Thank you. Brian Cassidy, Tyler Cassidy, Big East Barroom. Follow them on Twitter. And you can also uh, check out their podcast as well, the Big East Bar Room on Twitter, on podcast, wherever you catch your podcast. Uh, again, I can't say enough good things about them. I started following them a couple of years ago. These guys really know their stuff. They know their history. They're Connecticut guys. They obviously know their Yukon history. But, you know, like me, they grew up in a Big East country and they're Big East basketball through and through. Uh, they follow it. They know it. They're knowledgeable. Uh, their content is really good. So I'm glad they came on. I'm glad they talked Big East basketball with me. Uh, I'm getting ready to start this season. I think when it's all said and done, the Big East will have six teams in the NCAA tournament. I think Creighton will be crowned regular season champs. I'm not going to say who wins the Big East tournament. You know, you want to see the matchups and all that. But let's start with the regular season. Creighton wins it all. Six teams in the NCAA tournament, uh, Marquette, Creighton, UConn, Villanova, St. John's, and the sixth team will be Providence. Anytime you have a player like Bryce Hopkins, who's a Big East Player of the Year candidate, a National Player of the Year candidate, that team is in the NCAA tournament discussion. Uh, I love Devin Carter, what he brings to the table, Joshua Duro. Great point by Tyler. He led the A-10 last year in scoring at over 17 points a game. I think he will make a seamless transition at six foot ten into the Big East and do very well. Uh, I put Providence in that mix. Seton Hall on the outside looking in. We'll see what happens with Xavier. I think really those are the only other two teams uh, that could be in the discussion. As I said, maybe I'm, maybe I'm a little bit of a homer. I don't think Seton Hall will be an NCAA tournament team. All right. I'm going to go on record as saying that they won't make the NCAA tournament, but they will be in that bubble discussion. All right. Last four out, first four out at some point. That's my prediction that they will be in. The, can they get over the hump? Who knows? But they will be in that discussion as well as Xavier. Those are my predictions for this year. Uh, Big East rookie of the year. I think I think you have to go with Stefan Castle. He's the odds-on favorite. I think he's going to be there when it's all said and done. Big East Player of the Year. My gosh, I mean, could it be Donovan Klingon? Could it? I don't think Tyler Kolek will repeat. That's my prediction there. Uh, Bryce Hopkins. Uh, let's throw, you know, uh, someone like Kalkbrenner can certainly be in that discussion. For Big East Player of the Year. Uh, you know what? How about Justin Moore? Big East Player of the Year. Uh, Big East Comeback Player of the Year. 
let's let's go out on a limb there and put Justin Moore. And I'll go on record as saying that. All right. There are my predictions for this year. Uh, coach of the year. Uh, you know, if, if Creighton wins it all, could could Bobby Hurley? Uh, I'm, I'm sorry. Could Dan Hurley? Did I just say Bobby Hurley? Could Dan Hurley be coach of the year um, in the Big East? Sure. But I'm going to go with Greg McDermott. If Creighton wins it all in the regular season, and that's where I'm going, I'm going with Greg McDermott as coach of the year in the Big East. So that is it. That is your Big East uh, preview here on the Tri-State College Basketball Podcast. I want to mention and throw out some love to our sponsor. Yes, we have a sponsor for the first time, as you know, NorthJerseyVipers.com. Softball team located in North Jersey. They are the longest running club softball program in Bergen County. They're in their 14th year. Go to their website, NorthJerseyVipers.com. They have put player after player in the collegiate ranks. 21 players and counting are currently playing in NCAA, some NCAA roster. They're playing collegiate softball for the North Jersey Vipers. Bob Germano is the guy to contact there when you go to their website. Check them out. If you have a daughter or know someone who wants to play at a high level and get results, whether or not they play in college, let's face it. You want to give them the best experience. You want to give them an opportunity to play at a high level with some great coaches, some skilled coaches who know what they're doing. NorthJerseyVipers.com. Thank you for sponsoring the Tri-State College Basketball Podcast. Thanks for watching us on YouTube. Thanks for listening to us wherever you get your podcast. Continue to spread the word. Subscribe to us. Download it. Thanks for watching. Can't wait to come back next week with an episode when we have games across the Tri-State, including one matchup that I didn't even mention because this is a Big East preview. I will be at Rutgers and Princeton down in Trenton on Monday, November 6th. Can't wait for that as Mitch Henderson and Princeton go up against Steve Peichel and Rutgers. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching the Tri-State College Basketball Podcast. My name is Brian Dinovellis. So long.